what a Lord we have. Oh, to pray like Christ. Oh, to have the attitude of Christ. Oh, to have the submission of Christ. Oh, to have the heart of Christ. And in fact, we're commanded to have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Have this attitude in yourselves. We have, we're to have the attitude, the heart, the submission of Christ, but we have, we have the mind of Christ. It's not a command, it's a statement. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study called The Truth Shall Set You Free. Pastor Scott brings a message titled Glorifying God in Our Praying. And we invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. If you want to take your Bible and turn to John, turn to John wherever you like. (laughs) I am the true vine. How's that? Narrow it down. John 15. The context is exciting because uh, some people call John 13 through 17 the holy place. And I understand that. For 12 chapters, Jesus ministers to the multitudes. But 13, he takes his own on the night of the Passover, washes their feet. And 14, 15, and 16, the seed plot for everything you'll read in the epistles. This is such a rich portion of Scripture. And we're jumping right into the middle of it where Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And you are branches. You need to abide in the vine, apart from me, you really can't do anything. You can't bear fruit just as a branch out there. You got to abide in me, abide in the vine, and then you'll bear much fruit. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide, remain, continue, Stay, dwell, live. If you abide, me know, in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." It's an amazing text, amazing statement, amazing promise. And I want us to, somebody asked me last week, because this was our text last week, and uh, somebody said, are you going to unpack that more thoroughly? And I said, to whatever extent I can. But uh, prayer that glorifies God. I mean, if we abide in him and his words abide in us, We prove to be real learners, real followers, real disciples of his. And we'll bear much fruit, and he will be glorified. And so uh, the last two weeks, uh, we've been looking at, as we do, at the start of the year, uh, the need to abide in his word 
and the need to pray. And we've had a great week of prayer, and it's not over. Uh, we're going to gather tonight again, as we've already mentioned. But I want you to notice that our text is very parallel to the text that we've been using as the theme for the last six, eight weeks. The truth shall set you free. If you abide in me, if you abide in my words, then you're really my disciple. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you live in my word, then you're really my disciple. Now look at our text. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll prove to be my disciples. So abiding is the mark of a disciple. And today I'm talking about prayer. Uh, prayer that glorifies God, prayer that's effective, prayer that gets answered. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. I mean, that's an amazing statement in and of itself. I'm talking about prayer that could be described as praying, as he said we saw last week in Ephesians 6. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Jude says, praying in the Holy Spirit. I believe, and you'll see it, I believe, as we look at these texts, that it's a very parallel way to say it. If you're abiding in Christ, you're walking in the Spirit. If you are filled with His Word, you are filled with His Spirit. And so these phrases aren't meant to be off over tangentially over here, over there. This is what it is to abide in Christ, to walk in His Spirit, to be filled with His Spirit, to pray in the Holy Spirit. Do you pray in the Holy Spirit? And I'm not asking if you pray in tongues. I'm asking, do you pray in the Holy Spirit? And I'll tell you what, I'll answer that. If you're a Christian, you do. And yet, I'm going to answer it two ways, and we're going to ask a lot of questions like that. Uh, we could answer it yes and no. Because yes, if you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, you don't pray. <laughs> But at the same time, we need to grow in our understanding of what that means. And so today, as we look at this, I hope that will be the case. Last week, we looked at a lot of truths about prayer. Talking with, not at, or even to, I, those are, I want to just get that truth in. We talk with, we speak with, we converse with. It's part of a two-way conversation. Praying, I mentioned it with our Bible open. And I don't mean just literally, although I think it's a great thing to do. And this week, we've had a lot of opportunities. I so enjoyed the men's prayer breakfast, uh, the no excuses time, to uh, have our Bibles open, so to speak. And, but, but to have the Bible open in the sense of we're hearing what God is saying through the Scripture and then speaking with Him. And so we want to look at these things. Uh, truth is such a, how, many, how would I say this? Prayer is such a huge privilege. And I asked the question last week, why then? Why is it so uh, difficult? And we answered that. At least one reason why it's so difficult is that we're in a spiritual battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And if your mind wanders in prayer 
or if you find prayer boring, or any number of other things, don't think you're alone. And don't think that's some strange weirdness. That's the spiritual battle. Our struggle isn't that it's hard to open our mouth or bend our knee. Our struggle is against the world forces of darkness, and Satan and his demons do not want you to enjoy communion with your Father. And we're not to be ignorant of his schemes. The schemes of the devil, Ephesians 6, 11. The methodia of the diabolos. And I pointed out that he is a liar. His method, his main method is to lie, to deceive. So we're not... We're not veering very far from our series theme, the truth will set you free because Satan deals in lies and untruths and half-truths and he is constantly lying about prayer. Now, we looked at a lot of truths, but one truth is that we need to learn how to pray. And I said, you know, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And the scripture says, we don't know how to pray as we should. Uh, That shouldn't keep us from praying. That's Romans 8, by the way, verse 26. Because when we pray, even with our stumbling prayers, the Holy Spirit himself takes our prayers and intercedes before the throne with groanings too deep for words. Uh, Even as I said that, I'll mention it. My voice sounds that way today. (laughs) Groanings. I'm fighting something that's just kind of a dry... But uh, I remember when Babe Ruth was dying. You remember that, don't you? (laughs) I've seen the old grainy film, and he was talking like this. He had throat cancer, and he said, you know how bad my voice sounds? Well, it feels just as bad. Well, I can say I'm not like Babe Ruth in many ways, but uh, it doesn't feel bad. So it might feel bad to your ears, but I'm croaking away up here. But the Holy Spirit takes our prayers when we don't know how to pray as we should, and he brings them before the throne of God. So we want to learn as much as we can about prayer from the Bible, from instruction in the Bible, from prayers in the Bible. This morning, many of you, I'm sure, were in Daniel 9 because that's where we're at in that abide schedule. And I learned much by just copying out about 10 verses of chapter 9 of Daniel. He was praying with his Bible open. He prayed on the occasion of reading either Jeremiah 25 or 29. He saw in the book of Jeremiah where God said, I'm going to give you 70 years in Babylon. And he knew the time was coming to a close. And he prayed. And God's sovereign rule did not keep him from praying. It drove him to prayer. God's foretelling of the future after 70 years I'm going to bring you back did not cause him to just say, well, why pray then? It drove him to prayer. And he prayed a prayer of praise and thanksgiving and confession. Uh, Anyway, yeah, that's a great place to go, by the way. And I'm going to tell you the book and the chapter, Daniel 9, uh, to learn about prayer. But it seems to me the highest place is to learn from the prayers of our Lord Jesus himself. And so I remind you that we looked at that thought when he, in Gethsemane, said, Abba, Father, all things are possible 
for you. And if it's possible, may this cup pass from me. He agonized in prayer. But he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. What a prayer. What a Lord we have. Oh, to pray like Christ. Oh, to have the attitude of Christ. Oh, to have the submission of Christ. Oh, to have the heart of Christ. And in fact, we're commanded to have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Have this attitude in yourselves. You're suffering. I was, that's, I'm quoting Philippians 2, by the way. First Peter 2, when we looked at it as men last winter in that study, it was such a rich time. You're suffering. You're suffering unjustly. You're called to follow after the one who suffered unjustly. And while they were uttering threats and reviling him. He did not utter threats and revilement in return, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And we're commanded to be like him. But I closed with this thought. We have, we're to have the attitude, the heart, the submission of Christ, but we have, we have the mind of Christ. It's not a command. It's a statement. We have the mind of Christ. I want you to turn there. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. I believe this will help us unpack abiding in Christ and his words abiding in us and asking whatever we wish and it will be done for us and glorifying God by bearing much fruit. I really believe this passage can help us unpack that and unpack what it means to pray in the Spirit. And what it means to pray, as Jude said, in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of the Lord. We have the mind of of Christ. Let me read the paragraph because uh, start back at verse 9 with me. Just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. 
But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of the Lord. We have the mind of Christ. Now, I think that uh, verse 9 is maybe one of the most misinterpreted, misapplied verses in the New Testament. Um, you'll often hear it at a funeral or, you know, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, things which could never even enter our mind, God has prepared for those who love him. And old Joe is now enjoying, he's there with the Lord enjoying things you could never even dream of. Well, that is true. And so sometimes when people misapply the scripture, it does very little damage because that is a truth. I'll tell you, we can't imagine. I mean, he gives descriptions of heaven, but we can't imagine how good it's going to be. And he's preparing a place for us. And it is a wonderful place. And you can read about it in the last couple chapters of the Bible where Johnny was reading earlier. But that's not what he's talking about here. And that's why I say it's often misinterpreted. Let me just give you the context for this. And actually, to me, it's more exciting to find out what it really is talking about than to kind of halfway enjoy a truth that it's not really speaking about. He's not talking about heaven, okay? What is he talking about? Well, look back at chapter 1, verse 18. He's talking about the gospel. The word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, with all its PhDs and all its knowledge and all its fields of study and experts consulting together, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached, the word of the cross to save those who believe. And he goes on and unfolds that the word of the cross, it is foolishness to the unregenerate mind, the natural man. Before you came to Christ, at best you thought of him as sort of a martyr, but you just, but when you understand, when you come to know Jesus Christ, it's the very power of God for salvation. So Paul and he unfolds that the rest of chapter 1. And then he says in chapter 2, When I came to you, brethren, verse 1, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I, de I didn't come with a bunch of eloquence. I didn't come with the latest findings. I didn't come with the usual stuff. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And actually, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Paul wasn't a bombastic take charge. He would have made money in any field he was in, kind of a guy necessarily. When he came, he was coming in fear and trembling. 
and weakness. And my message, verse 4, and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. You see, when we're weak, he's going to write later in the second epistle, then his strength shows through. When we're strong, we may or may not show his strength. But when we're weak, he can shine through. I came in weakness that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, you who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the wisdom, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. If they'd understood it, look at the end of verse 8, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. These religious experts in the first century they didn't understand it. Or they certainly wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Now that's the context. But he says, you know, we do teach wisdom. We proclaim the foolishness of the cross, but we teach wisdom because God's truth isn't, of course, foolishness. It is the wisdom of the all-wise one. Just as it is written... Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard. You know, you'll never come to know God just thinking about him. Or by what you can see and hear. We grow intellectually, we think, through the eye gate and the ear gate. But you, the natural man, Nicodemus knew a lot of scripture. He had studied a lot. He was interested but Jesus said, you, you must be born of the Spirit. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man. You can't even dream up. You can't dream up the gospel. People don't come to Christ just thinking about it. And that's why the folly of saying that I just kind of find my spirituality within me. That's such an empty futile place to be. If you're there, I plead with you, take your eyes off yourself and look outward to the cross of Christ. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Glorifying God in Our Praying, a message from our study in the great truths of the faith. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. Recently, we've added the countries of Guinea, Mali, Togo, and Ivory Coast to the ever-expanding outreach of the project. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to romansproject.org or connect with us at facebook.com slash romansproject. If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide App. 
It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Along with the Sermon Library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. We'd like to remind you that Abide in the Word only remains on this station through the generous contributions of listeners like you. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in this Bible teaching ministry? We'd love to have you join us. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. When you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit took up residency in your life. And we have the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. God has revealed His mind to us, and He has combined spirituals with spirituals, and I think they got it right when they supplied those words, spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. This is the process of inspiration. God reveals himself through the scripture, but he actually, and the word doesn't show up very often in the Bible, but it is God-breathed. Join us again next time as we continue our study called The Truth Shall Set You Free. Pastor Scott will bring part two of the message titled, Glorifying God in Our Praying. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.